Hello and welcome to the very first installment of Notes from Minnesota. I am your host, Beth Ann Erickson, and I since this is the first episode, I think what I de- I think what I'm going to do is probably introduce myself first, even though probably the only people who listen in the beginning will be my longtime subscribers who um I I just really like them. Um so here I am. I'm Beth Ann Erickson. I have been a freelance writer since 1995. In 2001, I got my very first uh, novel published, and it was a spectacular experience. I loved my publisher. It went really well. Um, however, as time went on, I kind of sort of decided to take things into my own hands. I got the rights back from my novels. By then, I'd had a few out and do them myself with my own company. Um, Philbert Publishing was born in 2001. It housed only writing, etc., but it later expanded to include other authors. Um, we are very careful about who we work with, and we are very careful to make sure our books are really good and useful for writers. That's kind of how that grew. Um, I live right in the middle of Minnesota, right in the middle of what I call nowhere, but it's the best nowhere ever. Um, I share my office with Two dogs, two rescue dogs, Jake and Rudy. And recently, yeah, recently I kind of sort of adopted a cat. Her name is Luna Lovegood. And um, she's having one of those days where she is run, run, running. And I would take off her collar. You'll probably hear her little bell jingling in the background. And I would most certainly remove her collar, except for the fact I can't flip and catch her. She's she's eight pounds of attitude, or as my son calls it, she's got tortitude. She's a uh, tortoiseshell cat. And, um, oh my gosh, she keeps me on my toes, and the the dogs don't even know what to do with her. They just, yeah, they let her do her own thing. Um, But anyway, my my point, and it, it always has been my point, you can live anywhere and make a living from your writing, and that's that's the good news. The bad news is you you have to. Unfortunately, there are people who sell writing programs, and they tell you, you just have to think happy thoughts and write pretty words, and kaboom, you're gonna make a living as a writer. And that may or may not, probably may not, be true, but that's okay because we're we're in this together, right? So anyhow, that's me. You can find me at bethannerickson.com. You can find writing, etc of which this is a part of, at Filbert, as in the nut, filbertpublishing.com. Love to have you on board. Love to love to hang out. Love to talk writing. It's really great. Um, here's the plan for this little podcast. Um, we're going to run it probably once a week. There'll be a little bit of introduction, and then I'm going to talk about what's going on in the office. I always bring things back to you know the writing life and you and everything. And then if I have time at the end, I'm going to mention some stuff about what I am currently reading. Um, that's always my favorite part. I love I love to read. And as Stephen King, of course, says, if you don't have the time to read, you don't have the time or the tools to write. So reading, yeah, really, really super important. But um, today, I want to talk about Jake. Jake, I, I, I briefly mentioned him. He is a miniature pincher. We adopted him when he was six years old from the Humane Society. His former family, it was really really a bummer. His former family just surrendered him because they were tired of him. And, um, you know, sometimes when I look at him, I can definitely understand why his former family got a little tired of him because he is 
I tell people he's an a-hole, but he's my a-hole. I love him so much. He's actually my son's dog, but that's okay. I, I babysit him every day. But um, here's the deal with Jake. He has every reason in the world to have given up. He has every reason in the world to be cranky and mean. When he came to us, he'd never been outside. He lived in a basement, and his teeth are all flattened out. Even his canines are flat because he was evidently trying to chew to get out of something. Didn't work, but, you know, he, he persevered, that's for sure. Um, he looked like a wood tick. I don't know if you all know what a wood tick looks like, but he had a little tiny head, and his body was quite large, which is actually, you know, for a miniature pincher is really interesting. They're, they're, they're usually sleek. They look like a, a miniature Doberman pincher, and that's what he should have looked like, but he was a, a little wood tick. And um, he liked my son. That was it. He liked Peter. He <laughs> he didn't like me at all. And so when Peter ran off to school or ran off to work, wherever he was running off to, it was just me and Jake. And Jake was not impressed with the situation whatsoever. I don't know what his former you know, female in his life did, but it was evidently not, definitely not to his liking. And so I just kind of did my thing. He did his thing and I would kind of chase him down and we coax him and we would go for our walk every day. Luckily I had Rudy. She's, she's a little, what we call a purebred canardly, meaning you can hardly tell what kind of breed she is. Figured since Jake was a, um, was a purebred, Rudy could just as well be one too. Anyway, so he would, he would go outside with us simply because Rudy was with and I don't know, dogs just like to walk. But the thing of it is this, he was an old dog, and you know that the saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, not true, not true at all. Little old Jake, he would just slowly but surely begin to trust me. And we would go for our walks, and we would go, I mean, we, all we did was walk. I did nothing special except hook on his leash, and off the, out the door we would go. And um, just doing the regular plain old stuff. And slowly but surely, he started to trust me. And then all of a sudden, he decided women might be okay. And he started liking other female members of my family. And now, oh dear Lord, I think he actually kind of prefers us over the men at times because he spends so much time with women. It was two full years before I ever saw that boy's tail wag. And when it did, it was like it opened up this gush of emotions. He... He's an amazing dog. He just turned 15 years old. And when I look at him, I cannot believe he is the same dog we adopted because he has got this huge heart. He has adopted and loved various kids in the community. I never would have trusted him with a child when we first adopted him. And now I just can't believe this turnaround, this change. And, and the reason I tell the story of Jake is because... It illustrates the power of routine. It illustrates the power of trust. It illustrates how no matter what our circumstances are, we can move beyond them and become the writers we want to be or become the person you want to be or become whatever it is you want to be. It has not always been easy. Poor Jake. My heart breaks when I think about everything that he's been through. 
But hey, he did it. And isn't that what's important? And so, you know, today when you sit down to write, just trust the process, trust the routine, the the utter power in everyday tasks in completing it, completing them is just too much to even put into words sometimes. And that's what I want you to think about as you think about Jakey and the fact he's 15 years old and oh man, we're hoping we can get at least go until he's 18. He's not showing any signs of slowing down and he's just a fabulous, fabulous boy. I'll have to post a pic, uh, picture of him someday because he is truly amazing. And so, yeah, that's what's on my thought. My, he is truly amazing. And so, yeah, that's what's on my thought, my, in my thoughts this week as Jake turns 15. And in doing that, I'm going to now slip into what I'm reading because it's connected. Um, way back when, when my mom was in high school, she often talked about her, um, well, not when she was in high school, but now that she's an adult, she talks about her time in high school when she had an incredible teacher by the name of Mr. Hassler. They called him Mr. Hustlebrain for short, and imagine her surprise when she found out one day that he was a New York Times bestselling author. And not only that, but he's like this Minnesota author that he writes literature on, <laughs> unlike me. I'll someday, someday, maybe I'll write something good enough to be qualified li- as literature. But in the meantime, I just tell stories. But uh, Mr. Hustlebrain, uh, John Hassler, he recently, not recently, back in the early 2000s, he passed away from a form of um, like Parkinson's disease. There's another word for it that's just really like, bah! Um, but what I love about his writing is the honesty, the the slow unfolding of the story. And somewhere along the line, I was able to pick up a collection of his short stories called Rufus at the Door and Other Stories by John Hassler. It was actually put out by a historical society. And there's one other one other um, volume of short stories near as I can tell. I've been slowly but surely con- collecting everything I can that Mr. Hassler ever wrote. Um, he lived in, um, in northern Minnesota and then in the Twin Cities, And so a lot of the stories are near and dear to my heart because I recognize a lot of the places he talks about. And that's something I've always aspired to myself as a writer. I would, I would love, you know, local readers to be able to go, I think they're talking, she's talking about this, or I think she's talking about that. Just those little tiny Easter eggs in a story are so fun to me. You know, computer programmers are able to put Easter eggs in their games. And I love to put Easter eggs in my Easter eggs are little surprises in all of the stories I write. I like to reference back to my other novels or um, or a, a local landmark or something that only if you've lived here or read my other books are you able to catch. That just delights me. That just so delights me. And so when I read John Hassler, I, I although the stories sometimes are a little bit slower, um slow paced, you know, in comparison to a lot of the other stuff I've ever read. Um, it is delightful. It's utterly delightful. And so as I'm reading, um, at the end of this book, it's, he, he has stories in here from about Agatha McGee, 
That's one of his characters from Staggerford, which is one of his seminal works. And at the very end is the his Christmas letter from the year 2000, where he announces that he has indeed got this disease and he indeed is probably going to die. And he talks about what what this disease did to him was it would um, he would get very, very stiff and fall over. And he would talk about what he did in those seconds where he knew he was going to fall, but he couldn't stop it. And he took that moment to pray. And I just thought that was such a beautiful thing to do at that point, because it's just, you know, take a, a scary moment, a moment when you could become very, very bitter or very, very angry or whatever, and to just capture it. And I think that's one of the things I love about this book so much. Uh, highly recommended. John Hassler Rufus at the Door. It's probably not in print anymore, but you can get used copies on Amazon. And I hope that I've inspired you to do some writing. Just move beyond the fear, move beyond the anger, move beyond whatever it is you're dealing with. And I hope you have a fabulous day. I will see you next week. Got some really fun stuff to do on tap. And <laughs> I wish I were slick, but oh well. Here we are. Have a fabulous day. This is Beth Ann Erickson from BethAnnErickson.com with notes from Minnesota. Thanks for tuning in. Isn't this exciting? Bye-bye. <laughs>